This is Craig Gillespie from Divine Treachery of False Prophet, and you're listening to Misery Point Radio. Thanks for joining me again on Misery Point Radio. Appreciate you taking one for the team and making the ultimate sacrifice by choosing to hang out with me instead of being productive members of society. But let's be honest, you're not just hanging out with me. In fact, you're probably not here for me at all. That's right, we all know you're here for the badass guests. And there are exactly, and I quote, 1,000 fucks not given about me. But that's alright, I've learned to accept my own irrelevance as I force feed you the piles of awesomeness that you all expect. And speaking of badass guests, today's guest is indeed surrounded on all sides by piles of awesomeness. Another kick-ass metal warrior from North Carolina, slinging the low end and thumping heads with an insane style of bass playing that can only be described as intense. And pulling double duty in two, count them two, epic bands, Divine Treachery and False Prophet. In fact, the first time I met him was back in Oakland during a uh, False Prophet and Possessed show. And uh, let me tell you, watching this dude play is an amazing experience. You really have to see in person to truly appreciate it. And you can feel the intensity as he gives a thousand percent of his energy back to the crowd and back to his bandmates. Absolutely out of control. And I'm really excited I was able to catch up with him in one of his rare moments of downtime during his crazy hectic schedule. This was an awesome conversation about his influences, his philosophy on how he approaches music, how he balances an insane schedule, and even his love of video games and all things pop culture. Just a really super chill, down-to-earth dude, a real musician's musician. So grab yourself a drink, load up the two-footer, kick back, and hang out with us for the next few minutes. I promise it's going to be awesome. You guys ready for this? So welcome to Misery Point Radio from Divine Treachery and False Prophet, Craig Gillespie. Craig, thanks for joining me, brother. What's going on? Oh, you know, hanging out in the studio, talking to metal rock stars. <laughs> Shit. So, uh... Talking to somebody. <laughs> talking to somebody else. Yeah. Well, uh, so, of course, I'm familiar with you from False Prophet, and uh, when we first met back in Oakland a few months back, uh, you were playing with Possessed, and I made it a priority to go check out Divine Treachery, uh, which was, of course, uh, I think where you were you were involved with before you got in with uh, the Prophet Boys. Um, so, yep. Never Ending Cycle for the Suffering is a badass piece of music, Um can't stop listening to it, actually. Uh, and I think I mentioned to you before, but like A Thousand Fucks Not Given is like an anthem. Such an awesome song. There you go. But there's, you know, there's so many cool, so many cool songs on that album. So we definitely want to spend some time uh, talking about that. But uh, before we roll right. into too much on on kind of the bands themselves, so if you don't mind, I'd really like to get a history on everybody that I talk to. So everybody kind of knows where you come from and uh, what you're all about. So um, but before we even do that, you and I were just talking a second ago. Uh, you had noticed uh, my studio pics of uh, you know the Batman Arkham Asylum stuff. So you seem yeah, to be yeah. kind of a uh, like a gamer pop culture guru. I mean, you're on your Turtle Beach headset. Um, so yes, what's sir. the story with you on that? Man, uh, I just like video. I've always played video games um, ever since I was a kid. Um, my dad always had the old consoles, and he kept them. So I started out on the you know the old school stuff, Super Nintendo, NES, everything like that. And then uh, as I started getting a little bit older, you know, I got the N64 and then, you know, the Dreamcast, you know, and then the PlayStation. And right now I'm, I'm a, I'm an Xbox guy. I okay. love Xbox. I've had it since the first one and I'll probably buy every one that comes out. But uh, I've just always played video games and love video games. Yeah. Is that like an escape for you? Kind of a get away from the madness kind of a thing? Yeah, I have I have music, work, family, friends, and video games. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and I noticed some of your some of your tats are kind of related. I mean, you got like that badass Transformers hat that I saw. Um, so yeah. you're kind of uh, really, I guess, engulfed in all things pop culture. It seems. Yeah, um, 
my dad and well, my parents in general just they didn't really restrict a lot of things when I was growing up. So I was able to see, you know, a lot of things that were coming on TV, a lot of the old school channels. Like they made sure that I watched, you know, the things they grew up on, the things that were popular in their time, plus the things that were becoming popular when I was a kid. And, you know, from then on to now, it's just, you know, something I've always had and something that's never been, you know, held back from me. Yeah. And so you're an Xbox guy. So, uh, so what's your what's your franchises of choice? Man, uh, I'm not playing it at the moment, but Destiny yeah. has been a real big game for me um, since since the uh, the alpha of the first game came out. I want to say about five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, Call of Duty. Um, I don't play it much anymore. It kind of fell off for me. But uh, from Modern Warfare, I played that religiously. Uh, Halo, which I'm stoked because a new Halo is coming out. Yeah, eventually. The E3, from the E3, you know, trailer, it's looking pretty dope. So I have some hope in that. But uh, you know, PUBG, just all over the place, really. Like I just, I just played through um, an old school Xbox original game, uh, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, Kotor, yeah, that's a, yeah. That's yeah. an MMO. Well, not MMO, but it's a pretty hardcore RPG. Yeah. So, yeah, very tactical for sure. So, yeah. but for the most part, it sounds like you're you're kind of into the shooters, and there's also that cool social element if you do like the Xbox right. Live and whatnot. So you can kick yeah. back and talk some shit to your friends while playing PUBG and oh, watching yeah. that map shrink to just minuscule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, well, I, yeah, I have a I have a very good core group of friends that I play with on Xbox, and you know, anytime I get on, we play, and whatever game we're playing, we all play together. It's so it, it makes for some fun nights and fun rage sessions. Nice, awesome. So uh, <laughs> cool. Well, hey, so tell us how you got started uh, in music. Uh, when did you when did you pick up the bass for the first time, or did you start with something else? Um, when I was younger, my um, my dad played guitar a lot. He played in bands before I was born, so I would always, you know, come home from school and watch him play guitar, and then. Uh, I tried starting to learn how to play guitar. My mom had a coworker who knew, you know, like the fundamentals of guitar and tried to come, you know, come to the house, and give me lessons. And it didn't really work out very well too much for me. And then when I was 11, I had a guy that rode uh, the same bus as me to school. He was selling like a starter bass kit. It was like bass, amp, strap, cable, all that. And I begged and pleaded. My mom and dad begged and pleaded. And I was like, I really want this. I really want to try it. And I uh, got it. And my dad started, you know, he taught me how to read tablature and everything like that. So as soon as I w- learned how to read tablature, I, that's when I locked myself in my room and just started playing my favorite band songs and just started from the bottom up pretty much. So you're about 11. Yeah, yeah, I started about 11. Man, that's like, what, fifth grade? Crazy. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, after uh, the guitar didn't work out, you picked up the bass, and you pretty much right. stuck with it kind of ever since. So you mentioned some some heroes. Who were those heroes? Who were the people that you were listening to at that time? Uh, my dad it was a huge Metallica fan, okay. and uh, he had the Cliff Amal uh, VHS. Yeah, I had that. And, I burned that motherfucker out. <laughs> I don't know if I can tell. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I burned it all out uh, watching that. So just like kind of watching him was like, dude, I I really want to do that. Like, I mean, he's he's playing bass, which nobody really. I mean, they you know they get credit now, but nobody ever really got the credit they deserve. Kind of just being the bass guy, right? But like seeing him just kind of take take it to a whole nother level and it just it kind of put me back a little bit and i was like yeah i really want to do that i, I love how it sounded and then um less claypool yeah my dad introduced me to thomas less claypool and then you know from cliff burton's the spectrum of cliff burton all the way over to claypool to see what both of those dudes could do you know in metal and even you know not metal was just kind of, you know, it blew me away a little bit. It was like, I don't necessarily have to play metal the whole time right. when I'm playing bass in a metal song either. Yeah. You know, I can incorporate a whole bunch of different shit into my playing. 
So. Yeah, awesome. You know, and then I, I jokingly, I tagged you in a post a while ago, something about uh, a T-shirt about hey playing uh, playing bass for Jesus, and you responded, if Cliff Burton and Steve DiGiorgio are Jesus, yep. then yeah, I guess so. So uh, yeah. yeah, so DiGiorgio yep. also definitely known for kind of breaking the mold on bass players with his insane finger style, but also just, you know, crazy phrasing and whatnot. So, um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's pretty epic. So, so you think those are kind of two of the guys that that you, you stick to the most as far as saying that they're, they're influential on your style of playing? Yeah. And, uh, like you said, uh, like I said, DiGiorgio, I caught on to him kind of, you know, a little bit later throughout playing bass and everything. Dalton, you know, Dalton introduced uh, the singer of the Vine Treasury, Dalton. He introduced me to Death, and my first Death album was um, Human. Right. So just hearing that, you know, just hearing the things that he did on those songs was like, holy, you know, like he's playing death metal, but he's not just following the guitars or the drums. Like he has his own phrases, like you said. Just and it was, I don't know, it 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 got me really good with that. <laughs> like I really loved him after that and then you know seeing him play with Testament now which is one of my favorite bands yeah. right before I even knew who he was and seeing him and Hoagland playing in the you know that that rhythm section that's probably like one of my favorite rhythm sections of all time is yeah. Hoagland and Zorio. yeah those guys are fucking monsters for sure oh, man. so, so um, you picked up the finger style then probably fairly early on then as you were learning. Uh, it seems to be that's the path that, that you've stayed on. Yeah. I, yeah. I, um, I started, I played with a pick, uh, when I first, not when I exactly when I first started out, but then I kind of, um, I found David Ellison, which was, oh, you know, yeah. another very, you know, highly regarded basis for me. And, uh, you know, I picked up playing with the pick for a little bit. And, you know, even in my first band, before we started playing out live, I played with the pick. And, you know, I I don't know what happened, but I just kind of just stopped one day. Like once I, once I started getting, you know, my fingers to the point where I could keep up without having to play with the pick. Right. I was like, okay, I don't really think I necessarily need to play with the pick anymore. I can do a lot more with my, my fingers than I can with just one solid pick. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, dude, your your pick style is intense. Your your finger style is just fast. I try to take pictures of it, and your hands are moving so fast, I can't even get pictures of it. It's crazy. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, was the goal for you to always though go the band route? I mean, obviously, you grew up in kind of a musical household, and uh, that was kind of a, a, a an environmental thing for you. Did you decide that you wanted to play music to be in a band, or did you just want to play music at first, just to kind of just try something different? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. You could say that. I just started. I wanted to be able to to play the songs that I liked, that I liked listening to. Like whether it was you know with somebody or just on my little practice amp, you know, with the headphones in, playing with the song. I just wanted to be able to play the things that I was listening to on a daily basis, and it didn't really. I always wanted to jam with people, but I could never find people that wanted to do this the same thing I wanted to yeah. really was a little bit more heavier. And, um, and I jammed with a couple of friends from school, you know, here and there, but it never really worked out until Dalton just kept, you know, pounding me about coming over, hanging out. You know, he's, he's an excellent guitar player himself. So, you know, playing with him and, and knowing that he was into the same kind of music that I was into, I was like, okay, maybe this could work out. You know, me and him hook up, you know, and we're still best friends to this day, still in, you know, in bands playing together. So, yeah. So this was, this was pre, uh, pre divine treachery days, of course, then. Right. Yeah. Yep. So bringing that back home then, so how, how did you end up in divine treachery? Oh, well, like I said, me and Dalton were, uh, uh, previously in a band Hexus. And, um, when that was coming to an end, um, we met Jimmy and Alan, we had known them uh, for a few years, but never really very personally. We just seen them around at shows and everything like that. So uh, me and Dalton started going over to a uh, place over downtown Greensboro where they allow bands to practice, a storage facility. Okay. And um, 
Alan had just, you know, he started playing drums and jamming with Jimmy and Dalton started singing with him because the singer they had, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. And so Dalton joined, it wasn't even Divine Treachery then. He just started jamming with them, you know, writing lyrics and stuff. And I was, you know, Hex is just coming to an end. So I was like, well, I'll, I want to try something different. I'm, I'm going to play guitar. I was just going to play electric guitar with uh, Jimmy, Dalton, and Alan. And uh, they had already had a bass player coming through and, you know, jamming and everything. But And he didn't want to do it. But he had a medical reason that uh, kept him from doing it. And um, so when he dropped out, I was like, okay, yeah, I want to play bass for this. Like, I don't even want to play guitar anymore. I would rather play bass. It's probably easier to find another guitarist. And um, so we started out with, uh, with us four, uh, just playing shows, and uh, never really found a solid fit for a second guitar. So it's just always we've kind of kept it like, well, we can all four deal with each other, and it sounds great with just all four of us. So we'll just keep it like that. Yeah. Well, hey, that's one less person to have to share the millions with. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know when you find those millions. Uh, right. So uh, <laughs> you, uh, I saw in your band bio that you guys are listing some some pretty awesome influences. I think I think I saw Death, uh, Testament, which we talked about, Sepultura, Black Dahlia, Megadeth, you mentioned Ellison. Um, how do you describe the overall sound of Divine Treachery? Because to me, I hear a lot of influences, and it definitely seems pretty straight ahead thrash but it starts to get into that death territory in in some elements as well oh yeah um all four of us you know of course we have the general you know favorite band slayer and everything like that it's really you know good heavy music but then again all four of us kind of have a very eclectic taste in music you know um like Alan, one of Alan's favorite bands, his favorite band is probably Black Dahlia. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy's would have been, you know, Sepultura. That's where he got, you know, most of his riff styles from. Um, Dalton, you know, he's all over the place and, you know, same as me. So it's kind of, I can't, I couldn't really tell you like how to pinpoint an influence just because of the fact that there's so many sure. bands that we love and it's just not exactly a favorite for us. Right. You know, tell you our favorite band at the moment because we you know we listen to so much stuff sure one thing i noticed about you um uh, about divine treachery is that your playing style at your shows i mean i've never had the opportunity to see you live with divine but i've seen plenty of youtube videos um you guys are a bunch of intense motherfuckers i mean there's some pits going there's some moshing there's headbanging i mean it's a high energy kind of a set when you guys play is that by design or is that just a natural hey we're all feeling it and let's just go for it that's that's just that's just us man i think um you know with with me and dalton it was the same with hexas and i know with jimmy and alan it was the same in their bands before when they you know when they were in bands together and even their own uh, solo bands it's just we like the music that we make we like playing the music that we make and even to see, you know, the people out in front of us, you know, feeling the music and actually, you know, digging it and getting into it just feeds it so much more. You know, it's kind of, you know, it's that whole thing where, you know, you put out the energy so we can get it and then we give you the energy back, you know? Yeah. It was awesome. Never really by design. No roadmap to the mosh pit. Just, uh, just go. No. <laughs> just go. Just write. We don't ever really want to call for a mosh pit. We sure. just want to write the riffs that make you want a mosh pit. <laughs> oh yeah, it's killer. So you guys yeah. basically formed in you know around the 2016, and then here just this uh, this year, a couple of months ago, your CD came out coincidentally on 420. I don't know. That must have just been a a crazy coincidence. Uh, yeah. A, I think that was just a glitch in the matrix there. <laughs> so that's a not a very long wait though from from inception to shows to to albums. So you guys seem like you're you're pretty serious. I mean, what's uh what's the songwriting yeah. process like for you guys? 
of Jimmy. Jimmy will come in uh, with a major idea of a song, and um, he'll come usually to me and me and Alan. And uh, from then on, you know, we'll continue on with that riff, writing you know the rest of the song, arranging. Um, and as soon as we kind of get around the ballpark of where we feels right, and Alan, you know has a good blueprint from what he's going to do behind the kit. Dalton uh, will come in and start laying down vocal patterns. So lyrics he's either already wrote or he's in the process of writing. And um, we get those down and uh, we just try to hammer it out and practice as much as we can. And once we get to a good spot where we feel like we can play it out live, we'll start playing it out live. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, Live's lives really the test for that song, for a song to see, you know, either whether whether or not it's good and then whether or not you can nail it live, too. So. And also, I guess, you know, how the crowd responds. If it's uh, if they recognize yeah. that it's something new, uh, they already know mm-hmm. your songs. Oh, hey, here's a new one, you know. And if they're paying attention, this is a test, motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, that seems to be the way that, that I've always done it too, is, you know, you, you try out a new song in a live venue and if anything, you just look at it like, Hey, this is a, this is a practice for us. Um, yep. so from, uh, it seems like a pretty collaborative point though. Somebody brings in an idea, yep. you guys all get together, jump in. So it's not a matter of one person writing all the stuff. And then you guys just like, Oh, Hey, yep. let me, let me add a fill to this or a run to this. Yep. Like it's, it's, it's completely a band effort. You know, if uh, somebody was to write lyrics to a song, you know, they would just bring it to Dalton. Like I've, I have, I've helped write a few songs uh, lyrically on the album. Um, Like I said, Jimmy comes in with like probably a majority idea of a song, maybe not a couple finished riffs or, you know, a couple transitions or how it's arranged and, you know, how many times, you know, the riff, or I mean, the verse, chorus, all that stuff. <clears throat> so, um, anybody can come in with any idea and not feel pressured that, you know, oh, it's a stupid fucking idea, you know, don't don't write anything. You know, no matter, you know, what you feel about it, if you have a riff and you think it's cool, then anybody, you know, anybody can contribute. Dalton, he doesn't play guitar in the band at all, but we have a couple of, uh, couple of new songs, newer songs that he wrote, you know, a lot of guitar riffs for. So it's whatever you can bring to it, man. Lyrics, uh, drum patterns, riffs, arrangements, whatever, whatever it needs to be. Yeah, that's killer. It's something I think a lot of bands either don't engage in or don't know how to engage in, which is the everybody's input matters kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's different mm-hmm. if you join a band and, and you, you go in there and, and they're already established and they're already doing stuff and you're kind of the new kid and you say, okay, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn your stuff first and the next time around, maybe I get involved in that. But it seems to be, uh, yeah, it's, uh, collaboration is, is awesome. It's totally key. Um, oh, yeah. So speaking of lyrics, though, I, I, was, uh, I was studying your, your CD liner because that's what I do because I... Uh, <laughs> and you know, Very it seems nice. like, yeah, I know. Right. You guys span, uh, lyrically and topically quite a bit of stuff. I mean, you've got your, um, songs that kind of veer on maybe eh, touching on a little bit of social stuff. I don't want to say political, but you know, you've got, uh, some right. songs that maybe talk right. about current events kind of happening in the world. And then you've sure. got some more, some more songs that are just kind of like, uh, you know, energy inducing kind of stuff. So, um, is there any kind yeah. of an idea when you guys approach lyrics and song ideas and topics? Uh, is there kind of a formula to that or is it just like whatever's on your mind turns into a song? It's whatever, man. Um, it could, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. There's no formula to, to come up with a song. Right. So, I mean, I could, how I could write a song about a video game I'm playing and, or Jimmy could write something about what happened to him at work. And I mean, as long as it fleshes out into a good song and good lyrics and catchy lyrics and everything and everybody sure. can feel it, then everything's fair game. 
So you're not trying to write songs to kind of fit them into what the idea of the band should be, right? You're not trying to fit it into a a mold of we can only write about these kinds of topics or no. we want it we want to seem really thrashy or deathy so we can only write about this stuff. Exactly. We want to be able to write about whatever the hell we want to write about. And as long as like I said as long as the lyrics are there and people can feel it and the the music behind it is good then I mean it like I said it's it's fair game for anything that comes to anybody's mind yeah. you know, any idea whatever it may be awesome the uh recording quality on that is really good like the album sounds really good but it still has kind of a raw old school vibe in fact sonically <laughs> what jumped into my head was old slayer meets old testament uh with like the guitar tones yeah. and kind of the overall sonic quality of it um where'd you guys record at a a guy named Cody Rogers produced the album out of Soundforce Studios. And that's local and that's to South, where you're at? It's South Carolina. I'm I'm blanking on the, uh, the state right now, but it's uh, about a, about a three-hour drive from where I am right now. Oh, okay. So we, we would do – we would just go spend a weekend down at his studio. You know, he was he was kind enough to let us crash in his, you know, in his studio. So we would just go down Friday, um, work – we would go down Friday night, work the however late, you know, any of us could take it. You know, some nights we went to four or five o'clock in the morning, whatever. Uh, crash, wake up Saturday, work all day and night, and Sunday wake up, finish whatever we could, pack up and head home. <laughs> oh yeah. piles of craziness. How long did it take you to get the whole oh, album recorded? It took uh guitars and bass pretty much one weekend to record uh, tracking solos and everything like that. Um, drums, it also took one weekend. Uh, vocal was a little bit spread out. Um, I believe Dalton, Dalton himself went down there twice and then went down again a third time to finish up some stuff <clears throat> along with uh, Chris, uh, Chris Cobb of Cra- uh, Cadaver Creator. Okay. He was a guest. He's the guest feature on our uh, album vocally for uh, from the womb to the tomb. So uh, he came down there, you know, you know, hammered out his lines, got his tracking done. So all in all, pretty about four. I'd say about four weekends was about it. So it didn't take long for us at all. The mixing and the mixing was probably the longest process for us. Yeah, yeah, that's quite the process. Yeah. Um, I don't miss uh, the studio time of having to sit in that room during the mixing stuff. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I just don't have the ear to figure out how these guys hear these super minuscule details. I mean, it takes a crazy oh, amount man. of talent just to just it's, to it's ridiculous. tune your ear to hear certain things. So uh, props to those guys. Yeah, yeah. man, it's, uh, your album sounds absolutely killer. Um, and if that wasn't enough you know, taking on uh, Divine and uh, all the shows you're playing in the album. Somewhere along the way, you ended up hooking up with False Prophet. Uh, how did that oh, yeah. come How did that come <laughs> into play? I heard Paul's side of it, but I want to hear it from you. So, <laughs> Well, um, I known Prophet, you know, from back, you know, before I started uh, playing out live. I wasn't very into the scene much. Um when I was coming up just cause I didn't know anybody, you know, to go shows or what the local venues were or anything like that. So, um, we started playing out. That was around the same time. Prophet came back and, um, saw them play at the blind tiger. They actually played, played with them, opened up for them and, uh, me and Dalton's first band. So I knew Paul and, uh, really cool, really good friends, you know, and then, and, uh, flash, uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, I get a message from Paul uh, from Facebook. He's like, hey, man, would you be interested in playing for Profit? And I kind of kind of fangirled a little bit because that was like <laughs> one of my favorite bands, you know. Like, I, Did you squeal? A little bit, a yeah. little bit, a little squeal, a little squeal. But, I mean, lo- local, national or not, they were, you know, they were one of my favorite bands. So I, I kind of had to take a step back. and was like, holy shit, what's happening? And then um, I went and talked to the guys in Divine, you know, hey, you know, uh, Paul from Profit, you know, just hit me up asking if I would be interested in playing and I want to do it, you know. 
and they gave me their blessing. So, I, you know, I hit him up. Awesome. Went to a practice, uh, hung out with him, Scott and Matt. And then uh, I believe the next week I came in the practice spot, started jamming the songs. Yeah. How is it? Uh, how is it playing songs that you grew up listening to? It's wild, man. Like I, <laughs> it's, I still, I still have to think about it sometimes. It's crazy because I mean, I've, of course, I know you know they were they're huge around here. You know, even you know, regionally up the East Coast. You know, wherever from Florida to New York. You know, they were pretty popular, and uh, it's just being able to play those songs. You know, with with the band that produced that, that those songs, you know, sure. all being, you know, the original member, like being able to play alongside him playing the songs that I liked, you know, when I was coming up was still kind of, still kind of mind blowing to me. Yeah, no, it's uh, well, you fit in well. I mean, uh, divine is a, yeah, a super high energy band, uh, false prophet, of course, one of my favorites and, and they continue to slay it. So, uh, I think it's a good it's a good fit for you, uh, and it's cool that you got the blessing from the other guys too. That uh, how do you balance the two bands? I mean, especially now, it looks like the schedules are picking up quite a bit. So between all the shows, I know what you got coming up on some of this stuff. Having work, right. having a life. I mean, how do you how do you do that, man? Man, uh, I mean, most of my time is spent practicing and getting ready for shows yeah. and stuff, and you know. Um, you said, how do I manage it between bands? Uh, like communication. If Divine has something coming up, I let the Prophet guys know. You know, if Prophet has something coming up, I let the Divine guys know. And uh, it's just making sure that everybody on both fronts know what's going on with me, and you know, just putting all my time into both of them. And sure. I, I tell everybody, everybody says that, you know, I, I must be super busy. And it's like, yeah, I'm busy, but I would rather be busy doing this than anything else. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, it's a lot of work holding down one band, let alone two. So that's, uh, yeah. that's crazy. I, the you, reason I do it, I get music. <laughs> yeah, no, you dig the music. You're, you're fully invested. That's for sure. Yep. Do you approach each band differently i mean when you go and you play say a, a, a divine treachery show and then you go and play a false prophet show is there a different mindset that you're getting into is there a different style that you're trying to or is it one and the same as far as you're concerned with your approach to it it's it's the same to me man um like you said earlier both of them are high energy bands um prophet of course being you know a little bit more uh, a lot more death metal and, you know, Divine being, you know, thrashy, you know, a little straightforward metal, you know, just heavy. But just the, it, all the same energy is still there. Mm-hmm. They're like, you still, no matter that a Divine show to a Prophet show, you still want to put on a good, high-energy show. Yeah. And it it never really changes for me. But, you know, with, with what band I'm playing in, wherever we're playing at, however many people are there. You know, you want to give the people that came there to see you, you want to give them your all. You know, that's a good call out because you hear a lot of people that will say things like, oh, I didn't see the turnout as high as I like it to be. And so it kind of killed my energy. But you seem like no matter what the size of the venue or the crowd turnout, you're giving it the same. Like I've watched you play many different times and there's definitely you're given a thousand percent regardless of what any of the external factors are. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's, I get to be, I pretty much get to be a lunatic for 30, <laughs> depending on 30, 30 minutes to an hour. That's how, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty calm person. That's how I, I let, you know, a lot of my, stress out whatever you know sure the shit week i've had before you know i get to go up there just let it all out and it just happens to be for the thing i like doing the most which is music yeah you know? not a lot of people so, get that opportunity to do it to the level that you're doing it, so that is definitely killer and i for sure do not take anything like you said the smaller shows or the bigger shows i don't take any of that for granted because like you said you know 
not everybody gets to do this. Not everybody gets to go out and play in front of people and write music and everything like that. So I'm, I'm happy where I'm at, you know, and I'm happy to keep, keep going forward with whatever, you know, whatever happens. What, uh, what are some of your favorite songs from each band to play live? Ones that particularly challenging or ones that you think the crowd digs the most? Oh man. Uh, see divine favorite song it it be honest with you it probably have to be either from the wound to the tomb or since familiar arise yeah just because i mean from the wound to the tomb is just heavy as shit yeah that is a heavy song on and plus like i'm saying if we're playing with cadaver creator if chris is around he comes up he jumps up on stage and does the song with us so oh killer it's fun be able to play with him and uh profit we don't we haven't worked it into the set much but when we do play it live uh forgotten souls oh yeah that's probably that's always been one of my favorite songs by profit you know being able to play that live myself and with the band that's that's always a good time yeah well so what's your uh what's your rig consisting of uh you're using the same the same equipment between both bands same settings same bass same same amps and everything like that yeah for for the live shows yeah pretty much i'm just running a uh uh tech 21 uh 500 watt head is like the pretty much the uh the sans amp pedal that a lot of that you see a lot of people a lot of bass players use sure it's a head version of that and uh, which is super small and compact, which is good. So like if you know we ever need to fly out or anything like Oakland or say you know something, I can just put it on my carry on, you know anything like that. So it's super compact. And then pretty much the cab, if I'm using um, I'm using my own cab, it's eight by ten acoustic uh, cab, and I've had that. That's an old school amp right there. Yeah, I've had it. Had it since I started playing out live, and I don't think I'll ever get rid of that thing. I love it to death. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, speaking of shows, you're playing some pretty big shows. Uh, a lot of cool stuff's popping up. What did I see this about? Uh, Soulfly. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. It was. I, I was. I think I'm a little bit more happy for Jimmy. Like I'm super stoked, and, you know. Max and so and uh, Sepultura, you know, it was a huge, huge band for me growing up. But just to see Jimmy talk about it, and to see you know the joy in his face when he talks about being able to play with Max, you know, his one of probably his biggest musical hero growing up. Yeah, you know, it's, and you know, it's just a big, it's a big thing for all of us. Yeah, like, how, how did that? How did that even come into play? Well, um, the venue that's hosting it, uh, the Blind Tiger, um, we uh, we got it through a a guy that works there that used to work. If you remember the old Ziggy's, it was a big uh, concert venue in Winston Salem here in North Carolina. He moved to uh, the Blind Tiger, and uh, me and Dalton knew him from back in our first band days and playing at Ziggy's. So uh, we hit him up and asked if, you know, we would love to play the show, you know, and um, just told us, you know, yeah, yeah, go, cool. Uh, submit your name, you know, and we'll see, you know, if your name comes up, we'll for sure add you to the bill. So we didn't think, you know, we would get it and everything like that. But uh, a couple of days later, Jimmy sends us a message through the band chat on Messenger saying, holy shit, we just got the Soulfly show. <laughs> and uh, so we, we all kind of, I think we all kind of giggled a little bit once Jimmy gave us the news. Yeah. So there was a there was kind of an oh shit moment followed by a fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like how the fuck did we get this show? Okay, cool. We're playing the show now. We need to get to work. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, Max has been kind of the underdog of influencers. I think a lot of people have taken Sepultura as kind of an influence, but then you know, Soulfly and Nailbomb kind of they were always there but i don't think they get the level of appreciation from like the the outside that really know how much max had to do with that whole scene so 
Yeah. He yeah. was yeah, he's he's like you said, he's a big he's probably one of your favorite metal musicians, favorite metal musician. Right. That's yeah, that's probably the best way to describe it. Not everybody knows him. Everybody should know him and what he's done. But the, the things that he he has done is it changed everything for everybody for the better. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan, absolutely. And, uh, you know, keeping the trend going with, with these awesome shows, of course, you know, with a Prophet, you've had a chance to play, like, with Possessed. And, of course, Massacre oh, yeah. and Druid Lord. And uh, now you're gearing up for a show with Monstrosity in New York. Yep. And then what's okay. this I hear about you guys maybe uh, heading up a little farther north and getting into Canada? Uh, we're working, man. We're working. We're uh, we're trying to, like you said, we're we're getting the ball rolling again on material, and uh, just trying to buckle down, get some new tunes wrote, get some of the old songs thrown back into the set. Just trying to make people aware that you know, profits back. Yeah, you know, we're doing this shit. It's just a one-off thing. Like you know, we want to show people that we're serious, and we're writing the tunes to back. You know, the attitude, pretty much. Yeah. So you know, we're just working back up, man. We're just working it, yeah. trying to get trying to get what we can get and take any of the good opportunities we can. Yeah, well, and you guys uh, just did some recording there with Jamie King, of course, for the Cam Lee yeah. Split Project, and I did get a chance oh, yeah. to, to hear some tasty little tidbits out of that, and it's uh, fucking it's... epic, as you would expect. And uh, clearly there's some more studio work coming from you guys here in the near future. Oh yeah, yep. We um, already got a note. We've got another song uh, completely recorded. Just needs a little uh, work, a little fine tuning. Um, probably gonna aim for another three to four songs. You know, just depending on how the feeling is. You know, it could be more. It always go for more. But um, yep, the writing process is going, man. Yeah, it worked, you know, it's new. These new tunes that we have been working on are fucking gnarly. Yeah. And I'm sure people will dig them, you know, the old school prophets and even the, the new school prophet fans, you know, they'll seem to dig it. Yeah, that was something that, that uh, Jamie King had brought up was working with a band like Prophet. There's a certain level of expectation to retain the OG quality that they're known for, but do right. it in a fashion that technologically sounds approachable to some of the people who are just now getting introduced to the music. So that yep. fine line between being respectful to the source material and not overproducing it, but making it sound, you know, listenable by some of today's standards. So uh, the stuff that I have heard is absolutely epic. Of course, uh, you guys have played divine, you know, tons of times uh, at this point. And, right. uh, you know, prayers is, is one that is also awesome. So, Definitely can't wait to hear what else is coming down the pike. So, oh yeah, I think uh, you've got a you've got a busy busy schedule. <laughs> are you eating? Are you <laughs> sleeping? Are you uh, are you are you energy yeah, drinking your way through the days with uh, caffeine and? Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, just got to keep it going somehow, man. Now I I just I mean you still have to find the time to do you know small things like you said you know eat sleep everything like that. But majority of my time is, you know, is music and kind of recharging myself to get out in front of people again. Yeah. And I, I'm more of a, I don't, I'm more, I would rather be kind of off in the distance, you know, just by myself hanging out, you know, with a couple of friends and everything. I'm not really the guy that's going to go out into a big crowd and, Hey, look at me, you know, I'm here. What's up, everybody? Right. So any anytime I'm kinda out front of a lot of people, I like to, you know, take some time to myself, kinda recharge my batteries a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to hard to recharge uh when you're constantly bombarded with uh stuff from the outside world, that's for sure. You oh know, yeah. No mm -hmm. rest for the wicked, I believe, is how the saying goes. So Yeah, that's all good with me. Yeah. So what are nice, which will be never, by the way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what are you looking forward to the most right now? What's what's got you the most excited on, on your horizon? 
Oh man. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of a shit answer, but just, just playing music, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I said, like I just, for the joy of doing it, whether it be, you know, going to New York and playing with monstrosity, going to Asheville with, uh, divine treachery, uh, going to Wilmington, Wilmington with divine treachery. Um, just getting out and playing shows, man, writing yeah. music, whatever it may be. So you're not looking forward to the relaxing side. You like the chaos. You like getting out, doing the performing and, and sharing the energy and doing all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. The main, I, mean, I, I just keep, I keep to myself most of the time. So whenever I get to go out and do things, I do enjoy it. Yeah. And I like to do them, I like to do them well. So yeah. You like to be in the trenches. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Well, you know, I would love to see you guys make your way over here to the West Coast, uh, both bands. So uh, you have my blessings <laughs> to get your asses on over here to Seattle side. Because uh, I'm going oh, broke always it. going over to your side of the woods. <laughs> I say you can hop in planes. I know, some, right? some plane rides and everything. Yeah, because podcasting pays so well. There you go. <laughs> Just all that dough, yeah. making in all the money. All that dough. Cool. Well, hey, man, this has been absolutely awesome. I think uh, I've gotten a lot of cool background on on what you do and what you're all about. Of course, I'm uh, loving both the bands you're in. Why don't you go ahead and plug your websites and your social media, and where can we find you out there in uh, in the world? Uh, Divine Treachery. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com, Divine Treachery. Uh, profit, you can do the same. Um, Facebook.com, uh, false profit. We keep uh, both of the pages are pretty up to date with shows and announcements, whatever it may be, whether you know, new music dropping, new merch, whatever. Um, so pretty, you know, just Facebook pretty much, um, kind of where we keep everything updated and. Keep it rolling. Yeah, and I can say firsthand, uh, both bands, uh, Divine and Profit, very responsive to fans. They always answer back, so shoot them a message. You'll get the real people talking to you back, which I absolutely love about the metal community is there's no pretense. It's uh, You're getting right to the source, and, and these guys appreciate all the support. So buy their albums, stock them on social media, check them out online, go see their shows, Go give Craig a big hug next time you see him at the show. He absolutely loves it. I'm a good <laughs> hugger, man. I'm a good hugger. Awesome. Cool. Craig, thank you, brother, man. This has been awesome, and uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you again real soon. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you, man. It's been an honor. Actually, it's been a huge honor for me, and it always is. Anytime these super badass guests come hang out on Misery Point Radio, talk to me, talk to you, Give us the insight. Give us the real stories. Have a real conversation. Share with the world the inner workings of the artistic mind. Honestly, it really just doesn't get any better than that, and I'm proud to be a part of it, and I'm glad that you guys are hanging out with me on that journey, so thank you so much. As always, if you like the show, you like what I'm doing here, do me the solid. Subscribe to the show, iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. And now we're going to check out some Divine Treachery. This one's called Dead Ringer off their debut CD, Never Ending Cycle for the Suffering. Go buy that shit right now. Yeah!